Father God, we, we place our dear brother Harry and his family in your hands and, and just pray that you uplift this family and you protect them. You send angels and, and just wisdom to the doctors and just really um, uh, be with this family in their time of need. And, and, and as we send our prayers their way, they can feel the love uh, that is from you and from us. And we just pray that this morning your spirit will come and, and, and really anoint out of us and, and just speak to our hearts and, and change us, transform us, and, and allow us to have a deeper understanding of who you are and what you represent and, and what you want us to do. And, and just help us this morning and to understand you. And just help me to be your vessel again. And, and just though uh, I'm, I'm worthy, I'm fit, but yet uh, you have mercy and grace that allow me to be here. So really uh, cleanse me and use me. And I'll pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, as you know, uh, w sorry, completely forgot about this, okay, we are supposed to uh, do the catechism, okay, so I will ask you the question, all right, I was going to the message mode, but all right, let's, let's backtrack a little bit, uh, we're doing the catechism, uh, and, and so this again is a great opportunity for us to know our faith, and uh, we use the New City Catechism, and then so this uh, really, really help us to understand the theology of our belief and things like that, and, and it's a very simple question, but it's actually you know, has a lot packed into this answer, so, right? So I'm going to ask you the question, and as a congregation, you will respond to the answer on the bottom of it. And then so question number four, what else did God create? And then God created all things by his powerful word, and in all his creation was very good. Everything flourished under his loving rule. All right, okay. So this is, again, let's try this again, all right? We're kind of like... Morning, we're dead. That's okay. Okay, let's do this. What else did God create? There you go. Very good. Everything flourished under his loving rule. I like we start really high and then we go, poof, you know, and then so that's okay. But um, as you know, we're in this uh, Ephesian study, that series in Ephesian, and uh, and we're continuing on in chapter 1. Uh, today we're studying from verse 15 to 23. And uh, I, I've titled today's uh, a sermon, A Pastor's Prayer. And it's a very simple prayer. And, um, and it's, a, it's a great prayer, actually. And, and so we're going to study Paul's prayer for the people. And uh, so Ephesians, uh, oh, that, that's wrong, but Ephesians 15 to uh, 23. But we'll read the first portion of it, uh, verse uh, 15 to 19 together. Uh, again, this is uh, Paul's prayer to the people in Ephesus and then also, you know, general churches uh, as well. And so this is the word of God in Ephesians in the, the New Testament in the back of the Bible. Uh, chapter 1, verse 15 to 19. I'll slow down, right? So, all right, so let's read this. Uh, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, and what the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might. Now, this is a great prayer. Now, if you ever need to know, like, how do I pray for people? This is a, a great example, you know, uh, to, to pray for other people. And, and, and so we're going to talk about, like, what is this prayer, and, and how does it work, and how do we mimic this or study from this and, and practice this in our life? And, and, and uh, the first part is this, who was Paul praying to? Uh, to whom was Paul praying? And, and Paul was praying to, verse 17 says that, the Lord, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory. And, and so we, we, when we pray, we really need to know 
who are we addressing to? And, and I love that Paul is saying that to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory. And, and he's also the Father of us as well. And, and so, so knowing who you pray to matters a lot. Because sometimes we, we ask help with the wrong people and the wrong person, right? So, uh, for example, uh, if you need, like, uh, you know, like baby raising tips, like breastfeeding or whatever it is, don't talk to me. I have no idea what's going on, right? Talk to my wife. Like, she would know better. You know, she's a, a mom and she knows that. But if you want to talk about cars, right, uh, you know, how to buy a car or sell a car, like, talk to me. That's my expertise kind of thing, right? And, and so we need to make sure that when we're praying, when we're talking, we're seeking help, we're finding the right person. And here Paul is saying this is uh, that he's praying for these people because he wants to know who are we praying to. Uh, and, and the person we're praying to should have the power or the knowledge okay, that, that can answer or help us. And, and sometimes I feel like even though we say we pray to God, you know, the, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ or the Father of glory or our Heavenly Father, but do we really understand like, that, that he is this being that is all-powerful, all-knowing, and, and so, sovereign in everything? And it's, so, so sometimes I feel like our prayer is more like a routine more than anything else. So know who you're addressing to. You're addressing to this Heavenly Father who cares for you, who loves you, and who has the power to resolve whatever issues that you might face in your life. And so that should be a very exciting thing, you know, like you're finding the right person to talk to. But sometimes I feel like our prayer is just really powerless because we are making it like, I don't know if God can really help me with this one. I don't know if God has the ability to do this. And we pray, but we don't have that faith or the trust or the understanding of who God really is. And so, so when we pray, really make sure that you know who you are praying to and understand whether or not this person has the ability or the power or the wisdom to help you in what you're praying for. Because why do you pray to someone? Well, why ask help to, you know, for, to someone who can't help you? So make sure that our prayers, we understand who we are praying to. And the second part is, who was Paul praying for? And uh, so he was praying for the people of Ephesus, right? And, and so this is uh, Paul's prayer for, on behalf of the people. And, and, and to pray for someone, I think you really need to know the people, too. And, and sometimes, you know, we, we, we pray blanketed prayers for our brothers and sisters, like, oh, bless our brothers and sisters. And, 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 and so we feel like we, we have done the deed, you know, like, I care for my brother and sister. But we never got to know them personally and their struggles. Like this morning, I, I'm going to challenge you. Like, I just share with you, you know, Brother Harry, and, and, and he has a family emergency. And I wonder, I wonder, this is just me, you know, say, how many of you would reach out to him? And say we are praying for you. Um, you know we don't need all the, we don't need to know the details, but just know that we care for you and, and we're here for you. And, and and sometimes I feel like church, like when we talk about prayers and we talk about love and care, it, it's a, a lot of times very superficial. And, and you will see that Paul's prayer is not superficial at all. He he go right into it, and he knows and what the problem the Ephesians are facing and address that and things like that. And and, and so I, I want to encourage you this morning is that even though we pray for people. Do we really pray for people? Like, do we know who we're praying for? Do we know their needs and, and their struggles and, and, and things like that? Like, we have a prayer list in our, uh, you know, prayer meetings, and then we talk about, like, oh, let's pray for this person and that person. And, and sometimes we stop at just praying for them without really getting to know the people. And I want to just encourage you to, to say, well, I, I'm praying for you, and, and not just by some secondhand information I'm hearing from the pastor, but really... I want to get to know you and your needs, and, 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 and that will take time to invest in that relationship. And if we're focusing that this is a family, this is our family, if you don't invest in these relationships, this family is kind of like pointless, right? You know? So 
So I encourage you that, that you know, know the people that you're praying for. And, and I love this part, you know, how Paul really prayed. He says this is that, that, that you know, well, what he's praying for. Oh, my notes are different. Um, to give thanks for you. And, and, and so why is he giving thanks? He says uh, for, for this reason. Uh, and what is this reason? And so in verse 1 to thir- 14, it talks about all the blessings from God. And, and so, so Paul is saying that, man, God has really blessed us. So I'm thanking God for this. Like, uh, man, God, you are so gracious to our people in Hawk 5. And, and just thank you for that. that. That's what Paul was praying for. And he went on and says that, that I also i am giving thanks because I heard your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I wonder, like, if, if someone would come in and evaluate our church, and I shared this before, like, I wonder, what would people say about us? Like, would they give thanks for our church, right? Or would they say, man, I'm so thankful that I am not a part of that church. You know, you know that, that difference is the one is like, man, I'm so thankful that church, great loving people, and just like, you know, I see God's presence, and everyone's so caring and loving and supporting one another, and, and the word of God is present and all that stuff. Or would they say, man, I'm so thankful I go to a different church, and, you know, where they really care about me. And, and, and so, so I, I love that Paul is praying and giving thanks for the people in Ephesus and saying that, man, I heard of your faith, and it's just great because... This is a good church, and, and, and I'm thankful for you guys. And I, I really wonder, like, if, if Paul were to visit our church, right? Like, is this the prayer that he will pray for us? This Thanksgiving, will he be giving thanks? Say, man, I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, Hawk 5, and I'm just blessed. I'm touched. I'm thankful because God is really using all of you guys. And, and to do what? And, and, and this, to, to, to show your love toward the saints, you know, and... and, and and so he was saying that you guys, everything, your faith, you know, not only you have this understanding of God, but you're really practicing this faith. And it's so evident to, to the people around you and, and me and, and everyone that's coming in contact with you. And I'm giving thanks to God, not, not only because you have the blessings from God. That's great things to be thankful for. We're always thankful for what God's given us. But I'm also thankful for your understanding of who God is, your faith in God. And that's great. I'm thankful for that as well. And but most importantly, I, I'm thankful for your love towards all the saints, that you're practicing your faith. You're not, you're not keeping your faith just to yourself. You're really sharing this love and this gospel and this great inheritance that God's given us. And, and so that's, that's what Paul was praying for. And, and, and he, he actually, you know, the way he prayed in verse 16 is that, that he, he never sees. It says, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And, and I, I love that. It's that, that, that sometimes in prayers we, we tend to just say, well, if I pray once and God doesn't answer, maybe I'll do it again. Like I'll do two times, right? And then oh, there's no answer. I'm going to stop now because I don't think God's hearing me. And Paul is saying that I never cease to give thanks and remembering you in my prayers. And, and, and I think that's a good practice that we need to have is that continue to pray, continue to give thanks, continue to, to not stop praying and to know and, and to care for the people around us. And, and so, but it, it doesn't end there, right? And, and Paul, he really, he really goes on and say, you know, but, but not only am I giving thanks for you guys for all the good things that you're going through, I, I also want to remember you my prayers to pray for something else. And he prayed this. He said, the spirit of wisdom, I pray that the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, which is God, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know. And, and I find that interesting. Like, this is a good church. Like, the church in Ephesus is a great church, right? And yet Paul is saying that, that while I'm giving thanks for all the great things that you've done, your faith and inheritance and blessings, God is a good God, you're good people, you're practicing your faith, but I'm going to pray for more. 
And, and I, I like that because sometimes we, uh, we're easily satisfied. You know, we're, we're very happy with our accomplishments, you know. And, 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 and I shared this with the Chinese side uh, a few, maybe a few months ago. And I, I said that, that um, in our prayer meeting, I said, uh, as we grow as a church, it's very easy to be satisfied with what we have. And especially with the Chinese side, you know, we just have a new sanctuary and then everyone's excited. You know, people are coming, we're filling the seats. And, then, and, and so it, it's, it's very critical for us to not be happy and satisfied. And maybe you are feeling that right now. You say, hey, you know, look at a lot of Asian American churches. Uh, you know, we have a, a stable amount of number of young adults, uh, families, and we're good. You know, we're happy. We're fine. And, and, and when we have that, when we don't strive for more, we tend to just just do nothing, you know, we just come and enjoy, we're no longer motivated, we're, we're counting our blessings in a sense, and then we, we become prideful and satisfied, and, and, and no longer have that motivation to care for the people around us, to serve them, to, to love them, and, and we stop to do a lot of ministries, and then we just, you know, and Paul is saying that you're a great church, but, but don't stop, keep going, because sometimes we are just really easily satisfied. And, and we're satisfied with our progress and understanding, and we just say, oh, you know, I'm good. And, and, and I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm guilty of that, right? And I remember there was a time where I had that, that spiritual pride, and I just say, you know, I've studied the Bible, I've learned the Bible, I've read the Bible, and, and, and you know, I'm good. Like, we will have Bible studies, and I literally would not prepare for the Bible studies, because I'm like, I know what to do, I know the Bible, and I'll, I'll just go in and and I'll just kind of wing it and everything. And, 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 and I feel like, oh, people are still getting fed, and, and I'm good, right? So, so, so then I recognize something that, that when I do that, I, I'm no longer growing. You know, I, I'm, I'm actually using my own flesh, my wisdom to do a lot of things. And, and, and Paul is saying that I, I wish that, that you're not going to be satisfied in your spiritual condition and whatever you're doing right now. And say, I, I, I pray that you will see there's so much more to your faith that there is so much more that you can continue to learn, to practice, and to challenge yourself, to sacrifice. And, and so, so these are the things that Paul is really praying for the Ephesians, saying that don't be satisfied, guys. I, I want to pray for more for you, more understanding in your richness, in your hope, in your power, so that you can do more and, and live stronger and more and victorious in whatever challenges that you face. And, and so that's kind of like the focus, I believe, in our message this morning. And, and so... So Paul prayed for three things for them, and, and, and so it's very simple. First thing is hope, and the second thing is uh, uh, riches, and then third is power. And we'll talk about the first one, know your hope. In Ephesians 1, verse 15 to 19, this is what it says. For this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering in my prayers that the, Lord, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know that the hope to which he has called you. And, and there's a precondition before we get into that, right? He's saying that this is not a usual hope, right? So when we think of hope, we're thinking about something that we imagine, that we hope that will come true. But, but Paul here is saying that I, I want this, this, this thing, it's a spirit-based thing. It says, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, not the eyes to be enlightened to see things, but this is a spiritual aspect, take or, uh, or perspective on hope. So this will counter the hope that you might think of or the riches that you might think of, the power you might think of in this world. This is a spiritual take on hope, 
on riches and on power. And, and so, so we have to kind of get that right first, that, that Paul is praying for spiritual insight so that you can see these things. And so, so what is this hope that he's talking about? And, and if I were to ask you this morning, you know, what is the hope that you have in your life? And, and a lot of times our hope will be focused on perhaps our dreams, you know, like I hope that one day I'll be the best programmer, the best father, the best mother, or whatever it is, the best student, you know, we'll go to the best college. And, and, and we talk about hope as this, this present age thing that, that, you know, I can enjoy, I can, you know, be a doctor or whatever it is. I think that was, that was when I was a kid, you know, I love biology and I want to be a doctor. And, 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 and people ask me, what is your hope? To, what, what, what's your dream and things like that? And I say, I hope one day I'll be a doctor and, and I'll, I'll make a lot of money and I'll, I'll, you know, do like, I'll be a surgeon, I'll cut people open, because I think that's kind of fun, and, and so, so it, it, I'm weird, like, I love blood, you know, like, I love cutting things, I remember uh, biology, I'll cut a frog open, I'll play with tendon, and then I'll see the frog going this way, sideways, and, and that was a lot of fun for me, like, I enjoy that, right, and, and I, I always had that, I say, you know, that, that's kind of like the hope or dream that we have as people, we're thinking like, oh, you know, I hope I, I, you know, I have a small house now, and I hope that, that I can move to a bigger house, uh, and I hope I can get to, uh, my kids can go to a good school district. Or we have all these things about hope, and, and, and so, but, but, but what is the hope that we have? Because it's saying that we're called to this hope, right? It says that, that here, the hope to which he has called you, that you may know what is the hope. And, and so this hope is really related to what we're studying earlier, in verse 10, it says that, that, that as a plan for the fullness of time, this is God's plan, right? To unite all things in Him, things in heaven and things on earth. So this is the hope of our calling, is that our, our hope is that one day, everyone, everything on earth and in heaven will now unite with God. There's a reconciliation between human and God, and that, that all things will be good again. Like, when I read the Bible, I really love Genesis 1. I don't know if you ever read Genesis 1. When God created the world, that was awesome. Like, you, you get to hang out with God all the time. Like, you work, but you don't really work. You know, like, like that's the best, right? Like, like, you're working in the sense of, like, managing God's garden, right? Everything just grows, but you kind of work. You're, you're managing, right? And, and, but, so you have a purpose in life, but you hang out with God all the time. I, I wonder what it's like to really have a barbecue with Jesus, right? It's like, hey, do you want, like, medium rare or medium? Or, you know, like, do you want corn with that? Do you want pepper and whatever it is? I, I think it's just, it's really cool to really have this image of saying that one day we will be restored to that, that, that Garden of Eden, right? And just saying that we're hanging out with God, being in the presence of God who loves us. And, and I really believe that God really had a great relationship with Adam and Eve. Because he was just like walking around in the garden and then Adam and Eve were hiding. Like before they sinned, they probably like chit-chatted. You know, God would be like, hey, look at that tree. You know, and they had a conversation, had some tea, maybe like bubble tea. I don't know. Like maybe they have it. But, but you know, the reality is I, I really think that heaven and being with God should be something that, that we really look forward to. Because that's what Ephesians uh, uh, chapter 1 verse 10 says. That, that, that to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. This is, this is the plan, right? That this is the hope that one day when everything falls away, that we will be with God. And, and this is a really good thing because I want you to kind of think about your, your life right now and the reality of life right now, life right now is this, is that, that in Revelation 21, 4, it says that, that, that he will wipe away the tears from their eyes. How many of you shed tears in private? You know, like sometimes things are just so hard that you don't know 
how to face it. You know, it could be a relational issue, it could be a financial issue, it could be a, a number of different issues, and then you just like, no one knows my pain, like my I, my struggles, and, and and here's what the promise is: is that one day when we are with Christ, when we're with God again in heaven, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and and that there will be no more death, right? Like we we, and, you know, I went to a funeral just a, a, maybe a week ago, and. And then part of my job is like, I, I have to attend funerals, you know, like well, either to like conduct it, or be a part of it, or attend it. And, and, and man, I, you know, no one wants to go to a funeral. It's, it's, it's like, I talked to my wife, I say, hey, by the way, this is someone that we know, we should really go and show support. And she's like, yeah, I know, but I'm really not a funeral person. And I wonder how many of us are funeral person, right? So, so but, but, but here's the thing, it, when, when heaven comes, when, when the time comes again, this is the hope that we have. No more death, no more grieving over someone that you love passed away and you can no longer be with them anymore in that short period of time. And, and, and so death shall be no more and, and there will be no more mourning, no more crying and, and no more pain and, and everything in the past, whatever struggles, regrets, mistakes and, 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 and hurts and pain that you have in the past, it's all gone. You don't have to worry about it anymore. And, and I, I, I love that. Like uh, we all have, like, like we have, Closets where we put our pain and suffering away, and then and I was talking to someone just uh, the other day. I say, you know, the person in among our midst that smiles the large, like the biggest smile and, and the the loudest voice, the, the most energetic, sometimes are the people who were the most broken, most sad in their private lives. And it, I don't know if you recall this this famous actor Robin Williams, right? And he was a comedian, and he brought laughter to so many different people. Yet he took his own life because he was battling depression, have issues with his own, own, own whatever it is, and and, and, and he struggled. And, and I, I love that 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 one day we have this hope that whatever struggle that you might face, whatever depression or or or, or just pain and hurts in you right now, those things in Christ Jesus in heaven there'll be no more, and you will be healed complete and without worry and just hanging out with God in heaven. That is a great hope, guys. I mean, uh, you don't see that in this world, you know? And, 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 and I love that. And, and, and I remember I, I shared with my young adults, one day we were talking about, in fellowship, we are talking about heaven and what's like. And, and, and I was just reading this passage about revelations and, and he said, well, that's all good, right? You know, but I really imagine that in heaven, we all have a room. And this is not biblical at all, guys, so don't quote me on this one, right? So, so, so this is not biblical. But I, I love that sharing because that resonated with me. He's like, God will give us each a room. And in this room, right, I don't know how it works. Don't, don't ask me about logistics. But, but, but each of us will have this room, this place in God's mansion, right? God, Jesus is preparing a place for us. And, and so in this room, we will have everything that we really enjoy and love in this room, right? And then so, so he was talking about like, he's a, you know, of course young adults, they like video games, so it's like video games, big TV and stuff like that. So, so I was thinking for me, I'm like, what is heaven like for me? Not only no more suffering and tears and stuff like that, and I imagine what is a perfect place to hang out with God? And, then, and so I was writing it down the other day, I was like, uh, you know, I want a comfortable bed, right? I love beds, you know, so I want a, a huge, I don't know, like customized, huge bed in the middle of this, this wonderful beach, right? 
and then I have the ocean in front of me. I don't care how that works. I mean, there's sand, and I, my bed is right in the middle of the sand, and there's this ocean in front of me, and, and I love the sound of the water, right? But in the middle of the ocean, I want this giant TV or, you know, big screen, right? With surround sound, okay? And then so I can watch movie as I please, action movies, please, right? And then so I can in the comfort of my bed. Like, that's kind of like me. I'm like, wow, heaven's going to be great, God. And, and so, so, so I want you to really don't sell heaven short. I think heaven is going to be the most wonderful place ever. Like, like, I really believe that, right? And I want you to really believe that because God really said that, that you know, it's just a great place to be, you know? And, and sometimes people ask, uh, why, why doesn't the Bible talk more about, you know, heaven and stuff like that? And, and let me tell you, like, I can tell you how good a restaurant is, right? But until you go and try this place out, right, you will not really know how good it is. And I think, I think any, any words I say to you about heaven it will be underselling heaven. And the only way we can really truly enjoy and experience the fullness of heaven is by going there. And, 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 and so this is the great hope that we have. And, uh, and how it works, it's, it's so easy. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life and be with God. And, and I, I love that. This is a simple message, right? If you want this hope, right, believe in Jesus Christ. And, and that's, that's, that's good, right? And we all know that. I'm preaching to the choir. You're mostly Christians, right? But I think, I think there is a reason why, why Paul talks about for believers that we really need to understand this hope. And, and, and we often just read John 3.16 and maybe 17, but I, I, I always like to bring out verse 18. This is what it says, that, that whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And, and here's the thing, guys. Like, this hope is great. Heaven's great, right? I mean, I want to go there. I want to bring all the people there that I care about and I love about. And I hope that you feel the same way. But unless you tell them about this hope, unless you tell them about Jesus Christ, unless you help them to reconcile with God, this hope, this dream, this heaven has nothing to do with them. They're condemned. They, they, they don't go to heaven, guys. They, they go to the other place. And I don't want to talk too much about the other place, right? That's not a place I want to go. But, but do we recognize that? You know, sometimes as believers, I think we're satisfied with the thought that I'm going to heaven, I'm going to hang out with God, and this is all going to be really good, barbecue, beach, and TV, and all that stuff. But we don't recognize that as we focus on these things. There are people, literally people around us, that will not go there, and they will have eternal suffering in hell. And here's the thing. This is the hope that we have, is to reconcile all people, all things with God. But we tunnel vision that, like as a church, as people groups, and then we just satisfy. We say, oh, I've done enough. I brought two people to Christ, and they're good, okay? But, but, but here's the problem, guys. This hope, it, it, it's for everybody. And if you don't share this hope, if you don't share them, they stand condemned. And they have nothing to go forward. There's no hope for them. And, and so I, I believe that Paul really challenges us that, that if, if we don't do this, you know, they face this eternal death, right? And, and, and it's so simple. The gospel message is so simple, but it offers so much, right, to, to really have this eternal hope. So I want you to really think about, you know, God has called you not to just enjoy this hope, but also to share this hope with the people around you so that they know that they have a future in Christ Jesus, that they have this loving God who loves them, who will provide for them. And, and I really encourage you to start thinking about the people that, that you can impact with this message, right? I mean, isn't it even nicer if all your loved ones can go and hang out and, you know, be in the presence of God who loves them and, 
And so I want to encourage you that we do have a great hope. And, and if we don't share this hope, there is no hope for a lot of people. And, and so, so Paul calls on, you know, like, yeah, so we have this great hope. And, and, and this hope is it's, it's a blessing to all people. And, and we should really share this hope, this gospel message to the people so they can be reconciled with the people, uh, with God. And, and, and so, so we have to recognize that, right? So, so the second thing he says, this is that, 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 you know, he goes on that you may know what is the hope that, to which he has called you and what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And so I, I put this the second part. I say, know your, uh, no, well, know your riches. But, but, but before we do that, like, what is rich? Like, we have this definition of rich, right? So, so if I were to ask you what is rich, what do you think that is? And I, I went online. I, I wanted to get the right definition. And, and, and so the, the word rich, and I say I type in rich, right? And it, it talks about having abundance of something or wealth lots of money and, and things like that and, and I think that's what we think of riches is and, and so so I uh, let me let me let me demonstrate something I'm a believer right I'm a believer and I'm a pastor so if anyone wants to be rich I like to think I am rich right and, and I brought my wallet okay so so the, this is my wallet like half of them this is all receipts okay this is like honestly this is all my receipts the money I spend that I have to pay mostly credit cards right and the real cash I have and this this looks good right there's a stack of greens right but if I were to take it out, $1 bill, $1 bill, $1 bill, $1 bill, I'm ashamed to really show you what I have. But, but, but man, I don't really see I'm rich. But here's Paul. Paul's saying that, hey, by the way, guys, you're in Christ Jesus. You have all this inheritance from God. God loves you. God bless you. He's your heavenly father. You're rich. Know that you're rich, right? But I look at my wallet. It doesn't seem like I'm rich, okay? And then I look at my keychain. I brought my keychain up, too. So... I love my keychain. This is I got this when I was working for a dealership, and and so it's a BMW dealer uh, keychain thing, right? So I love this. Like so, I put my keys on this, but uh, I used to have a BMW, right? I used to have a Mercedes, I used to have a Land Rover, and I gave that all up, right? But now I have this Toyota Highlander, right? This is what the key I have, right? And it's not even a new Highlander; it was used, and that's fine. I buy used cars; they're great deals. And and, and the fact is, my Highlander is used, and the paint's fading on the top of it, you know, and and. And it's just like, it's not awesome, guys. And, and I look at, if I were to imagine a rich guy, you know, a rich person, he's not going to drive my car. He's going to drive Dean's car. Like, man, suited up, big car. No, I'm just messing with Dean. <laughs> but, but he's going to, you know, no, we're, we're thinking like rich people, they would drive really, really fancy cars. You know, like maybe a brand new BMW. I would love to have, get my hands on an i8, if you know what that is, right? And I, I would love to have that. You know, imagine me coming to church, right, prosperity style, like, you know, like, dude, like, my car's a shiny, bright red, and you look at me, man, I want to go to that church because he's rich. And if the pastor's rich, that means everyone else is rich, right? Because that pastor is the least paying person in the church. And, and so, so we have this idea of richness, right? But, but Paul's saying, no, we're rich, guys. And I look at my wallet, I look at my, my bank account, and, and you might do the same thing. And you say, well, I can barely make my ends meet. How am I rich? And so we start to question all that thing. And, and so how does it work? Why am I rich? Because I really think I'm not that rich. And so the problem with riches in this world is that we compare to the person next to us. right? And that's why we sometimes like kids to go on mission trips, right? And we say, hey, guys, I'm going to send you on a mission trip. You're going to go to Mexico or you're going to a third world country. And you're going to feel rich now because they have a lot of things that you have a lot of things that they don't have, right? And we have this idea that we want people to understand that having, having more than other people, that's rich, okay? And that's why we have this concept as Christians. We also do that. 
we're talking about riches in the church, and then you'll see churches, literally pastors will tell you that having a lot of money is a sign of blessing from God, right? But, but I look at Paul, he suffered, man, he had nothing. And I look at my wallet, my bank account, and I'm saying, I'm definitely not rich. Then what is this riches? How can God make us rich? And, and, and so we have to first take away the worldly understanding of riches. It's not really about how much you have, all these money. It's not about that, right? It's about who you have. I think it's really about who you have. And, and, and you know, we, and, and so, so whenever you're with the right person, I, this is a quote from like 300 BC, content is wealth and riches of the mind and the happy he who can such riches find. And, and it's basically saying that contentment is the source. And even then, I, I think, how do you be content, right? How can you have not much and be content? And really is about the people that you're with. And I, I'm honest, like, I don't have much in my wallet, right? I don't have, I don't drive a fancy car. I don't live in a big mansion. I, I wish I have all of that thing. But the reality is I, I feel rich. I feel happy. I feel content because I have my family. I have my church. I have my kids. And it's really being rich for me, at least. It's about who you have in your life. And, and, and so, so the riches, and I, I love in Philippians, and this is what uh, Paul said, that I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Now that I'm speaking, I'm being in need. For I've learned in whatever situation I'm to be content. I know how to br be brought low, and I know how to be abound. And in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need, and I can do all things through him who strengthened me. See, the key for contentment is that, that Paul recognized that God is with him, right? God is with him, and that he can do all things with Christ Jesus on his side. And, and, and here, here's the true riches that we have to recognize, that we are rich because we have Christ Jesus on our team. Like, we never have to worry that with him, all situation, we can overcome, right? It's not that you're going to be rich in the, the monetary sense or material sense, but, but you can face things in life and, and not to be alone. And, and that riches is, is beyond your imagination. And, and I don't have a lot again, right? But I, 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 I will bet this, right? Some of you will have a larger bank account than me, but I don't think you're happier than I am. I don't think you're really richer than I am. In fact, you might feel like you're inadequate, you want more and more, and you're chasing after things in your life. Maybe that promotion, maybe that six-figure or seven-figure paycheck, whatever it is. And, and you know what? I, I'm content. I'm happy. I feel like I'm blessed. You know, I was, the other day I was talking to my wife. I said, I can't believe it. I can't, I'm getting, I can't believe that I'm paying. I'm getting paid to do what I'm supposed to do as a Christian. You know, this is like, I'm doing this, and I'm getting paid. And I'm so rich. I'm so blessed. And, and, and do we, like, I really feel that way. Do you feel that way? Do you feel like you're rich? Do you feel like God has really just blessed you and charged you? And, and man, like, you just have too much sometimes. I, I, I don't know about you. I really feel that way, you know? And, and so, so having God in my life, that, that changes everything. But I, I, I want to be honest. I think, I think Peter once had this question. I had this question in Luke chapter 18, and he asked Jesus, he says, you know, we gave up so much, we, we left our homes and followed you, and, and what do we get? Right? Peter is saying this, like, sometimes that's, that's the reality, as we follow Christ Jesus, we're asking him, I'm giving up a lot to do this, guys, I, God, and, and what do I get? And, 
And I love this, right? And, and Jesus said that, that there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more than in this time and in the age to come, right? And, and I love that. What God is saying, this is uh, the riches, not only limited sometimes. We, we limit that to simple, like, spiritual things. He's saying that, that you will have riches, you will have blessings many times in this age and the age to come, right? So, so, so I, I, I like that. And in, in fact, in Matthew, uh, in Matthew 19, actually not Luke 19, it, it says this, is that, that they will receive hundredfolds and will inherit inter- eternal life. And, and I shared this before, like our riches, you know, I, I love this. Uh, if we can go back to, all right, let's go back to the very first part, right? It says that uh, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, right? And, and here's the thing, we are rich in the saints. What does that mean, okay? It means this, this is that, that, do you know, I only have one home, right? Right now in this San Jose area, right? But it's not true. I'll tell you the truth. I have many, many homes. I'm, 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 I'm like, I can, I have lots of properties in the Bay Area, okay? And why is that? Let me, let me share with you. Today, if I were to lose my home, right? I'm going to phone up Pastor Dean. He's like, he's saying no, but, but I'm going to call him up. I'm like, hey, Dean, really, I need a place, right? And he's like, wow, okay, man, you're in a hard time. Come to my house, stay on my couch, whatever it is. Now, if he's really loving, he'll say, take my master bedroom, but he'll give me the couch. <laughs> so, so, but, but that, that's okay. You know, we know Dean, right? So, so, but, but, you know, so, it, it, and, and if Dean's like, man, I already have someone in my house. I can't have you right now. I'm going to call up, like, Alder Irving. I was like, Irving, you know, like, I'm sorry. I lost everything. Can you really take me in? I think he might offer me a couch, too. And, and so, the, what, I'm, what I'm really saying right now is this, is that, that in Christ Jesus, in this family, in the saints, we are super rich, guys. Because anytime any of us have a need, okay, he or she or they should be able to go to any one of us and say, I have a need. Can you help me with this? And I think that's the early church, isn't it? In, in, in Acts chapter 2, it says that, that all who believe were together and had all things in common. It means that they don't really divide. They don't say, this is your, this is mine. This is us. We're all, this is all ours. We're together in this, right? And they were selling their things, belongings, and, and, and distributing the proceeds to all. If anyone has a need, they'll give it away. And they'll say, here, let me help you. Man, that's rich because you will never lack anything, Right? Like, like, can you really imagine that? Like, even the rich people, they worry about, like, man, I want more and more and more. Like, when you are in this community, in the saints, and among the saints, right, you really don't have to worry that if anything happens to you, right, God's people together will care for you. Like, if you really need something. Now, on the other hand, if you're like, I really need that next mention, that's not going to work, right? It's really like when you have a need, when you lack, there is no more lacking. And that's richness, knowing that someone else always have your back. God has your back. Your brother and sister has your back. Your pastors, your elders, your deacons, we have your back because we are family. We're one. We're church. We're the body of Christ. And, and you have to recognize that that is richness, guys. We are so rich and beyond imagination because we have no need. And, and I know that for a fact because I, I, I've stayed at people's house, right? And I've, I've seen people using their faith and their love and, and support me in so many different ways. And I just beyond my imagination. It blows my mind. And, and, and so, so this is a thing. Like, like, like we have to recognize we are indeed rich. But it takes all of us to act our faith, to live our faith, to make that reality in this church, right? Imagine if I start to divide, this is my thing, okay? My bank account, my stuff, I need to take care of me first, and then 
I will give you the spare change. You know, I'll give you like whatever leftover I might have. Even if you have a need. I, I, I'm, I'm going to say this. Sometimes I hate it at church because we'll say, well, someone has financial needs, right? And then you know what we'll say to them? We'll pray for you. We'll pray for you guys. Oh, well, you, you lost your job. We'll pray for you. We'll pray that God will give you a job. How many times do we really extend and say, well, I only have like a lot of ones, but take some ones. You know, like take my money. And, and, and do we do that, right? I mean, we, we have a lot of spiritual talk. And, and I, I think, again, Paul is challenging us that, that don't be satisfied that you are rich and that you have a lot and you have a community of riches. Really share that, right? Really practice that faith, right? Like if someone is in need today, if, if you're lo- you don't have a job today, this morning, we should all be praying for you and seeing, like, how do I refer you to a job or opening that I know, right? And, and so, so we, as a body of Christ, we should support one another. That's the riches that we have, right? But sometimes we're just like, oh, I'll pray for you. I mean, that's great. Prayers are awesome. I'm not saying it's not. But I think God has given us more ability than just pray to extend really our, our helping hands, right? And, 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 you know, with kids and families and relationships, all that stuff. And, and so, so know that, that we are rich, but we have to really extend that richness to the people around us. And lastly, you know, know your power. And it goes on that, not, you know, there's a hope that we're called to, and then the riches and His glorious inheritance in the saints. And what is the immeasurable greatness of His power towards us who believe, according to the working of His great might? And, and here's the thing, like, we, we, we are we are supposed to be, like, powerful, you know? Like, we're supposed to be, like, man, like... <sighs> but I don't know if we feel that way, right? Here's the promise, right? Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It says that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. How many of you have the Holy Spirit? I- I'm hoping all of you guys, please. You know, like, uh, we got to do this again. How many of you have the Holy Spirit in you? All right, there you go. And you know what the Bible says? That if you have the Holy Spirit, you have power, Right? Do you have power? I, I don't see power, guys. I see a, a lot of timid people, like, rocking in a chair and just saying, I'm going to do something else. I'm going to relax and chill because I'm scared. I'm ashamed. I'm afraid or whatever it is because I don't have power. But here's the Bible. Is the Bible lying, guys? It says that, that you will have power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And we have the Spirit, but we don't have the power. What's going on? Why are we not powerful? Because we are supposed to be unstoppable, right? Because here's what the Bible says again. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, right? And he gave to who? To us, right? Christ Jesus has given us all the power on heaven and on earth, everything. We are supposed to be unstoppable with power and everything. And it goes on. It says this, is that verse uh, John 14. It says that, that whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, right? What did Jesus do? Fed 5,000 people, raised the dead, and healed the blind and the lame and all that stuff. And greater works than these will he do. Right? It's saying that, wow, guys, the power is just, like, blows your mind. Because whatever I did, right, you will do even more. Right? And, and so that's the power. But I, I'm looking at you guys here. Like, how many of you feel powerful this morning? You're like, yay, I'm out. Like, okay, Coral, two. Ken, like, like, okay, three. You know, I have three powerful people, right? Man. I, I, I you know, sometimes I, I think I recognize the issue. Why we don't have power with us. And I think John 14, 13, 14 tells us why, you know. And, 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 and so it says that whatever you ask in my name, this will, I will do, and that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if you ask me anything in my name, I'll do it. And, 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 and here's a, one of the issues that I, I, I think our church faces. Uh, that One, we don't recognize the power of God. And we'll talk about the power of God. But we don't have the right understanding of how to use this power. 
Right? We know prayers of privilege, right? We know prayer is power, and we know that God is powerful. But, but here's the thing. We pray to, to what? To make us happy, right? Like, I want you to kind of think about your last prayer, okay? What was it about? Who was it about, right? Most times, like, thank you, God, for giving me this and that, and, and I really need this, where I really need that. And, and, and so, so we're asking for things, right? And it says this, but whatever you ask in my name, this I'll do. And then we ask these things, and then nothing's happening. We're like, what's going on? And then so we feel powerless because we feel like God is a scam artist because we prayed in his name, but nothing's happening, right? And I love it says that, 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 that when we do, when we ask, uh, the re- end result of what we're praying for is that, that God may be glorified, right? So, so I really want to uh, challenge all of us. Think about a prayer that you pray and God answered and God's name was glorified. How was that prayer? You know, how did that feel, right? And I love Jesus. You know, have you ever thought about why we pray in Jesus' name? <laughs> right? We, I, I taught this with uh, some of the adults, and I say, you know, when we say in Jesus' name we pray, we're saying that we are speaking on behalf of Jesus, right? Now, now do we pray like how Jesus would have prayed? Because sometimes I really, I, even myself, like I pray, and I'm like, wow, I don't think Jesus prayed this prayer. I, I don't think he would do this. You know, I don't think he would ask for this kind of stuff. And then I have to address myself, and I have to change my prayer and, and so that it's suitable to, to the name of Jesus, right? And, and sometimes I think that's, that's the issue that we face. We have no power because we're not praying right. We're not thinking right. We're not doing it right. Because if we are, okay, the most powerful prayer will be recognized and, and, and fulfilled by our prayers. And, and, and here's the thing. Anytime I feel like this is that when we pray for, for the kingdom of God, when we pray for this hope of salvation for his people, and, and things happen, you know, I, I see that, you know, and, and, and so, so we really need to recognize that God has given us great power, and this power, if pray right, use right, okay, this is the power that he has given us, he says that, that, that this is the power, that this might that will give us, right, and this is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ Jesus, and here's the power, first one, raise him from the dead, like this is the power that you can raise dead people, right, and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, like, like the, the, the power that God will give us is above all things you can imagine, in this world, it's above that, like whatever power you think of, it's more than that, right, above all names, and not only in this age, but also the age to come, see, our, our, the power that's given to us is not limited to your life, lifetime only like we we have this thing in, in our churches like you know who's the president right now he's my president now because i'm like american now but but you know like i wasn't american so he wasn't my president but now he is and, and, and so we have this idea that oh no he's gonna ruin the world right and and so some of you might disagree some of you might agree but but so so uh, we don't talk politics but here's the thing you know at, at best he has six more years at worst he has two years you know what I mean? Eventually, everyone has a time that will come to an end and someone else will come up. But, but here's the power that's given to us, right? This is not only in this age to come. This power is uh, eternal. It's forever. God has given us this power to do things that will have eternal impacts, right? Like the policies that we make today maybe have two, three years, ten years impact, right? But God's, God's power, the impact of the God's power, that's eternal. And let's go back to the gospel message, right? If you share the gospel message to someone, that doesn't only impact them in this lifetime, but to the life to come as well. They have hope forever. They have power. They have riches, not only in this world, but the world to come. And that is the power that is invested in us. And, and, and so do we really feel powerful? Because we should. But we're not, because we are focusing on ourselves and our things 
and we are not kingdom oriented. We're not seeing the need to really use this power for the kingdom purpose. We like to use God's power, God's blessing to benefit me, my family. But I think this power is intended to bring reconciliation from people to God. That's what the power is really for. And then do we do that? Do we use that? And, and I, I really, I hope this is a prayer for, for you this morning. And, and so, I, you know, what's, what's stopping you this morning? You know what? How are you not seeing this? You know, and that's, I think that's what Paul's praying for is that, that you can really see and understand like the, the hope, the riches, and the power that God has given you and I. And, and, and we really got to ask the question, what's stopping me to fully realize God's power, God's hope, God's love, and all that good stuff, right?
right, guys. Um, so we we're gonna pray and partake uh, the communion the elements together. All right, guys. And afterwards, um, I want you to go so we we're gonna pray and partake uh, the communion um, so the elements so together. I'd like to invite you all to stand. I, to go I think this is a special moment and we'll in our practice of our faith. So so, so if we can I'd all like stand, I'd like to invite you all to stand. Uh, I think this is a special moment in this and practice of our faith. I like to really just say that. So if we can all stand, we take it. Really take it with a thanksgiving heart. And I like to really just say that. God sacrifices body for us. Really take it with a thanksgiving heart. And saying that God sacrifices body for us. You know, and His blood for us. As well. Thank you, Jesus. And uh, so we partake it. We say thank you, Jesus, and, and we partake it. All right, let's say thank you, Jesus. And let's pray. Father God, we thank you for giving us so much. Riches and let's pray. Imagination, brothers and sisters, and Father God, we thank you for giving us so much. Riches and our imagination, sisters, and spiritual love that will serve physical things and our needs and provide for And I pray that this family will spiritual things that will serve physical things and love for you. And I pray that this family will continue to thrive, setting as an example of how love should look like in their lives. And I thank you again for setting as an example of how love should look like in your lives. In Jesus' name, self sacrifice. Now we can just spend another five minutes just praying together. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Now we can uh, just spend another five minutes just praying together. wrap up your prayers and then we're going to continue worship. Um, I'd like you all to wrap up your prayers and then we're going to continue worship. <laughs> 